And that being said, I, I would choose to play on a line with Saul over anything else. So regardless of whether it's O or D, if I'm playing with Saul, I'm pretty happy. Um, so when I was told that I was going to handle for the O-line with Saul, I was like, okay, well, Saul will be there. So that's great. And I will like, therefore I will have a great time. here to connect you with the players and personalities of North Carolina semi-professional ultimate frisbee. Today we're going to be talking to Matt Guccio-Hannis. Matt started playing in high school at Carolina Friends School and most notably with our own Saul Yannick and Henry Fisher, although a couple years younger than them. He started playing uh, youth club championships with Triforce, our local YCC team, for two years, winning the whole thing in 2014 and were runners-up in 2015. After that, Matt attended UNC Chapel Hill and played for their Dark Side D1 men's program for all five years, including captaining the last three. While with Dark Side, he won two national championships, their first championship in his very first year in 2015, and then also their second championship in 2018. Uh, in that year, in 2018, he was named the Ulti World Player of the Year and then won the Callahan Award, which is like the Heisman, the best college men's player um, of Ultimate, in 2019. Internationally, he's played with Team USA's U24 mixed team in the winter of 2018 and the summer of 2019, which won gold at both of those events. On the club side, Matt played Ring of Fire since 2016, as well as being a captain for that team in 2018 and 2019. This is uh, his first year, ironically, with the Flyers. And uh, although he's been clearly in the area and doing a lot of winning for us, uh, it is strange to say that that Matt is one of our standout rookies uh, on the team. So... Matt really is kind of the personification of North Carolina men's ultimate in many ways. Uh, he's a homegrown talent. Uh, he's like we said, a Callahan winner, two-time college champion, uh, has been a kind of primary handler for ring for many years now, and uh, has been so far this season, been one of the primary handlers on our O-line as well. And uh, so not, not only between uh, touching the disc a lot, he also gives back to the community as a coach um, and has been doing so ever since he, he really got into college. So, uh, really informative guy. Uh, this interview is fun, pretty fast paced. He's very humble and, uh, just something, someone I'm really proud to have on our team. So, uh, without further ado, this is Matt Guccio Hannes. All right. Today we're going to be talking to Matt Guccio Hannes. Matt, how's it going? Doing well. Thanks. How are you? Living the dream. So before we ask your story, I, I have to wonder what's the worst pronunciation someone's ever done of your name? Oh man. Uh, there have been so many really bad ones. Um, I think, I think whenever someone ends up with like a Gucci, uh, instead of like the OE at the end, I never understand that one, but Gucci and, uh, I think Hannes as in like Han Solo, but Hannes is like relatively easy to pronounce, but Gucci comes out pretty regularly and I just don't know how people get there. I just figured I had to like work very intelligently to make sure it was spelled correctly everywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So we'll start then after that with, with where we always start. Um, the point of this pod is to, to know really who are you and what you're about. Um, so Matt, what's your story? Who is Matt Guccio-Hannes? Yeah. So I grew up in Durham, North Carolina. Um, and I went to Carolina friends school from age like four until 17 when I graduated high school. Notably, I met uh, Saul Yannick and Henry Fisher in first grade, and uh, and I really enjoyed my experience at CFS. It was very formative and, and really shaped me as a person. Um, 
after I graduated, I went to UNC Chapel Hill, um, where I studied exercise and sports science. And uh, I also frequently joke that I majored in ultimate frisbee because that's what I spent most of my time doing. Um, so I played for Dark Side for five years, made a lot of great connections and great friends and enjoyed uh, sort of going off on a different path. A lot of my friends went to other schools and I sort of did my own thing and got connected with new people and that was great. Since then, I have uh, struggled in some ways to figure out what I want to do with myself. Um, I had a little adventure uh, going to a coding boot camp because I thought I wanted to, you know, abandon sports science and become a software developer. And I ended up um, not liking that very much. And so I moved in a different direction. And now I'm studying applied sports psychology in a grad program, an online grad program. A lot of my life is surrounded by ultimate and uh, both playing and coaching. So, you know, I played all throughout college. I continue to play now both club and pro. Um, and I spend a lot of my time coaching. So, you know, I've coached middle school and high school and YCC youth club in the area for the last five or six years of my life. And that's a big passion of mine for sure. So did you do any sports before Frisbee or was that really one of like your first things? Yeah. So that's a good question. So all throughout uh, middle school, I played soccer, basketball, and baseball. And baseball was really my main sport growing up. I, I played baseball much longer than just middle school. So I played those sports in middle school and high school. I was actually a uh, varsity captain of all three of those teams my senior year. And there's like sort of an alternate timeline in which I decide to go to a different school and try to play D3 baseball. And um, that was a real, a real possibility, something I was heavily considering. But all of my friends were on the ultimate team at CFS. And, uh, and after a few years of sort of trying to get me really invested my, by my senior year, I was really into it and really, really excited about the nature of the sport. And so I decided that you know, going to UNC where I could study exercise and sports science, which was the first academic sort of topic that really piqued my interest. I was like a totally reasonable student in high school, but wasn't motivated by anything in particular. And uh, so going to UNC where I could study something that was really exciting and I knew I could play um, high level Frisbee, or at least I would have the opportunity to try out for a high level college ultimate team. That's how I ended up there. So what what were your first memories with Dark Side? I remember... Uh, the first tournament of my first year, we drove to Charlotte. Um, we all like packed into a 15 passenger van and I was still like, I I've always been a pretty like shy person. So I didn't really, I still didn't really know anyone very well. And my roommate who was like my, my best friend at school at the time wasn't there. So that was the first time I was sort of trying to like integrate myself into the team from a social perspective, but we ended up like winning the tournament against all these other XY teams. And one of my, one of the first points I played, I had a layout catch in the end zone and I was just sort of like, oh, wow, like we're, we're pretty good. Even, even some of our best players aren't here, but like, we're pretty good. And uh, we seem to like know a lot more than some other folks. And, uh, and obviously I have some really vivid memories about, uh, spring 2015 when we won I'll, I'll never forget I threw a scuba to win the game in semifinals against UCF and you know was promptly hugged by my mentors uh, Ben Snell, John Nethercutt, Aaron Warshower um, and then obviously you know I was I was standing behind Ben Snell ready to catch a reset if he needed me uh, when he threw a goal to John Nethercutt to win 
dark side's first national championship. So yeah, those were pretty, uh, pretty special moments in my ultimate career. And I was going to get into that. So like you win your freshman year, obviously you're, you're not, you're not what you're going to become yet within the team, but like, what, what was that experience like from a, just like watching all these mentors and obviously like it was such a road and Mike D talked about this interview, just like such a road to get there in 2015. Um, yeah. and so you just kind of jump in at the tail end, having no idea what you're walking into. Like, what was that first year? Like, what was that actual championship? Like, um, and kind of yeah. like, how did you see your role with it? Yeah. So it was, it was a really interesting season. We started the year with a ton of intensity and, and I like, I knew coming into the season that the returners were all really sort of anxious about getting back to finals and trying to win um, after the, pre the previous year. And, uh, and so we had lots of practices that were overly intense and, you know, people got angry at each other. There's a famous incident um, in which two players got in a physical altercation, two players who were like wonderful friends um, and, uh, and, you know, tempers flared in this one instance. And, and so at a certain point in the season, all the vets got together and they said like, Hey, this is not the team environment that we want. So we really made a big shift towards like moving away from all this hyper intensity towards having fun and like loving what we do together and, and cherishing moments together. So I loved the team. I, I liked the team before then, but when we made that switch, that's when I really fell in love. And I was like, this is my, you know, th these are my people. This is my family. I started out on the D line for most of the year. And then um, after Easterns, uh, John Nethercutt sent me a text message. that was like, Hey, I got good news and bad news. The good news is we're switching to the, you to the O line. And the bad news is that we're switching you to the O line. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not prepared for this at all. What's my role going to be? He's like, oh, you're going to be a handler. And I was like, what? <laughs> I've never done that before. And so the first practice before sectionals, John gave me like a two minute crash course in how to be a handler. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was just like thrust onto the O-line with a bunch of dudes that were a lot older than me. And, and if you ask them, they'll like, if you ask them about me at that time, they'll probably say something about how on the line, I would just like nervously talk to everyone because that was the only way I could sort of stay relaxed. And I would either be like dead silent for like, I don't know, several minutes at a time, or I would just never shut up because I was just nervously talking to people. Um, I had a pretty simple role and it, like I had the best, uh, the best seat in the house watching some of those guys like do their thing and, and win us a national championship. And so I loved it. I was just in awe as a, as a young person. I have to ask what is included in a two minute crash course about handling at the D one level by John Nethercutt. Do you remember yeah, anything yeah. that was in the two yeah. minutes? So a lot of it was like, a lot of it was like, you're going to catch the pole and then you're going to center me the disc. And here's where I need you to go after that. So that you're like, not in the way. And it was, it was, you know, where I went was based on what the pole play was and where, you know, on which side of the field we were sort of attacking. He was trying to set me up. Uh, so that I was basically not in his way. So a slightly more apt characterization of this crash course is maybe like how to handle with John Nethercutt, which is something that I became quite proficient at um, over the years.
a little different than what you what you do now anyway that's for sure (laughs) okay so ken then obviously you go on by your junior year you're a captain you get to play your fifth year you guys win a championship your fourth year so just give us the crash course of like what was the dark side experience the next four years and kind of like as you got to watch that program continue to evolve and and kind of do some pretty special things because even in the years you guys didn't win clearly at the top of like top three or four like teams in the country yeah so in 2016 we graduated a lot of guys um we you know somehow found found ourselves in semifinals again that was really awesome experience for a lot of us we had a really robust sophomore class a bunch of guys really ready to contribute um losing in semis was disappointing especially when we felt like you know we were there we could have been in finals again um 2017 you know we had a really good team we uh returned some guys who had been abroad the year before that was my first year captaining which was a bit of a roller coaster and i remember that uh when we when we won the game that clinched us going to nationals i actually cried because i was so relieved that i had you know successfully contributed to us making it to nationals um it felt like there was a lot of pressure so that there was a big sort of release of emotion for me obviously jack williams happened and uh and and that was that i think going into 2018 there was uh again some of that like some of that angst and intensity that uh existed in 2015 you know we were like we've been so close and we really want to get over the hump and um we want to win another one and and that team was like really motivated and really talented and and we made some some big shifts over the course of the year and i think that's when that year was like was my best year as a leader of the team i was really dialed in um i was like really confident in the way that i was like leading our team and and giving us direction at practices and things like that um and we had to pull out a crazy win against oregon i'll never forget after I caught the O hold that sent us into the like series of breaks, Anders Jungst came up to me and, and just said, it's going to be a great story. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. Like you just said that like, okay. And then, you know, break, break. We we're going to the finals. Um, finals was really special, you know, getting a revenge game against Pittsburgh, the only team that had beaten us um, in a game where we were trying up until that point. And uh but, you know, there's still a part of me that wonders what it would have been like to play against Cut and play against Saul and Henry and Eric. And um, yeah, and, and my fifth year was really special. The, the team was, was phenomenal. And I, I, at, uh, that team, I never felt like more connected to, to a team. Um, I loved being, uh, I loved being captain of the team. I loved helping give the team direction. Um, and, you know, I think about CFS, my high school experience is being incredibly formative and, and shaping who I am. And I think, you know, dark side now sits right alongside CFS in terms of things that have really like made me who I am, um, in, in really important ways. Sure. And I'll, you don't have to delve into this studio, but I'm going to ask, cause I was there. I mean, I still think it was one of the most incredible college performances ever was semifinals that year. I was actually there in person in Texas. Um, what happened in the final? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, semis was awesome. There was no wind. We we're playing under the lights. You know, we're totally comfortable. Um, Absolutely magical. It was a yeah. magical night. And I, I love remembering that as my, as one of my last games. And uh, you know, I, I remember that as my last, <clears throat> as my last game playing in, in my dark side black Jersey, which were our special jerseys. Um, 
yeah, the finals was, was messy and windy and hot and we were tired and, you know, you can, you can make up all sorts of excuses. Um, uh, we didn't play well. Uh, Brown was really well prepared to play against us and they were really re well prepared to, to execute their game plan, especially in the wind. Um, and, uh, you know, it was their day and that's okay. Um, I think I, I remember, I remember interacting with my teammates afterwards and acknowledging that, you know, losing is losing was unfortunate, but the end of my college career and sort of moving, moving past the team was what was hardest for me. And uh, I remember thinking that I was, and still am very privileged to have been a part of something that made me care that deeply about, about an outcome or about a group of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we go into flyer stuff, uh, I have to ask, so what other stuff do you do? That's not Frisbee? Like, what do you have any other hobbies? I know the answer, maybe not very much, but what other stuff do you like to do? Yeah. I, so it's hard to say that I have many other hobbies. I play some disc golf now. That's something I picked up during the pandemic. Um, I really like that a lot. My, my favorite thing to do. Um, I have this really special group of, of friends from high school, which includes, um, Saul and Henry, and we get together and we play board games. Our board game of choice these days is uh, Spirit Island, which is like a cooperative sort of um, anti-colonialist board game. My love language is quality time. Um, so I love spending quality time with my best friends. That's, you know, that's my, my sanctuary. Um, that's what I love. I haven't played that, but I'm also a big board gamer but I, it was fun talking to off the pod kind of off air to Henry about dominion. We, we got to talk shop about that. For yeah. Once. Dominion's fun too. Yeah. We're into that one for sure. So, and then actually, so before flyers, you also got to play ring of fire since 2016, um, which I know Lindsay Sue is an excellent documentary through ulti world out there. So I totally recommend people go check it out. And, and Matt has a couple different kind of big quotes in that. Um, but can you talk a little bit about your experiences with ring of fire, our local club um, men's team since 2016, which you guys have been in, semis what every so top four program in the country every single year just waiting to get yeah. over the hump so yeah made the team in 2016 again with with Saul and Henry following this this path together uh I was in a similar role initially you know playing O centering to John Nethercutt and and sort of you know just facilitating his success we made it all the way to semis I unfortunately got injured in the first game of club national so I didn't really get to play very much um but it was it was pretty magical being a part of a part of the team in that run and uh, and so I was like I was bought in immediately. The next year I got thrown on the D line with Saul, which was pretty exciting. And that was the year that I really discovered that I was good enough to play elite club, especially when you put me on the field with with Saul. So playing D together, we loved getting turns and schooling old club handlers. And again, another trip to to semis and. I was really excited about how I played and and that I played the whole tournament back to the O-line in 2018, centering to John, you know, similar result. And in 2019, back on the D-line, handling with Saul. So I just sort of go in this in this pattern. The team is really special. And, and I think, you know, people t have a tendency to focus on the outcomes and the, lo the losses in semifinals. And that's understandable. Like, I can't fault anyone for that. But I think... It just doesn't tell the whole story to think about the team as a team that that loses in semifinals um, or has in the last several years. There are a few club teams that like resemble a college team in the in the way that they create sort of a family atmosphere um, and a and a closeness 
that sort of transcends team. And Ring is that thing. Ring is a team that does that. And I feel so fortunate to be a part of a program um, and, a, and a group of people that care tremendously about each other, you know, regardless of whether or not we're winning national championships and, um, you know, everyone's really bought into the team and that's an awesome thing. And I'll be excited to win one at some point. I, I think it's coming. So, yeah. I mean, luck is just opportunity met with the preparation. And I would like to say that being a top four team in the country every single year for the last, oh my God, however many long, sure means at some point opportunity is going to meet preparation, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so proud to be part of programs with this continued success, right? Both dark side and, and ring, you know, despite losing in big games at times, like there are, there just aren't other programs that can say that they're playing in those games year after year. And, and that's something to be incredibly proud of, I think. And, and I am incredibly proud of that. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Moving on to the Raleigh Flyers for 2021. So we, we take the pandemic year off. I suspect you would have played last year. I think you were on the roster. And then, of course, the pandemic kind of canceled everything from a Frisbee standpoint. Um, but we now get to finally play this year. You're actually my first Flyers interview in season two. So, like, I finally we finally get to, like, talk actually how things are going. Before we do any of that, obviously, this is technically your rookie year. I think that's weird for people to say because you're so at least synonymous with like ring and all the triangle kind of men's scene. So it feels like you, you should have already been on the team by now. Um, yeah. But so like going into the season before things started, um, what did you feel like were your expectations for the team? Were you expecting like culturally the same thing as ring or uh, I just, what, what were you thinking when, as far as the pro experience goes walking in? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I was definitely expecting some changes in my in my role to some extent um just inherently with the format of the of the game um i was expecting a lot of the the strategy and nuance to be somewhat similar you know things i had learned in the past i didn't expect to be taught anything uh that was completely new to me other than uh regarding double teaming I, I had talked to lots of ring and flyers crossover guys about the, the atmosphere, the team culture for the two respective teams. And so I expected it to be different and it is different. You know, the teams are trying to, um, despite having lots of roster crossover, trying to sort of be independent of one another. Um, and so I respect that the flyers is making this attempt to sort of be its own thing, be its own. And I think, you know, it's been, it's been very fun. It's been great to have a team, uh, especially in post pandemic life or, or maybe more accurately, you know, nearing the end of the pandemic. I think a lot of us really missed being part of a team, you know, so far so good. I've enjoyed my time looking forward to the rest of the season and more silly road trips. Uh, what do you most want from the team this year? Do you have any particular expectation or hope, whether it's like from just like uh, the way you guys play or the way you guys operate off the field or what, like, how, like, I don't know, just like, what are, what are your kind of goals for the season itself? I think I really hope that the team finds, finds growth um, and, and achieves, you know, healthy growth by the end of the season. I think, you know, similar to teams I've played for in the past, we've lost some critical games recently or in recent years. And I think that those are things that really, uh, that, stand out in people's memories of the team. And I think, you know, for me, I, I really hope that the team identifies some 
maybe more process related goals or, or focuses less on outcomes and finds sort of other ways to identify success and growth over the course of the year. You know, that's not to say that I don't want to win games and, and win a championship, but I want to find a really healthy place of viewing success and maybe viewing success, not only through the lens of outcomes. Spoken very much like a sports psychologist. Well done. <laughs> no, it's good. And obviously I, I'm just, you listen to Eric Taylor's pod and he talked a lot about that too. And even uh, yeah. Hartsog talks about it. I think it, I think it's something that everyone's kind of bought into right now, which is cool. So going back to your role, it's funny. You mentioned with ring, how you kept flipping between O-line and D-line. I think uh, a lot of people expected you to kind of walk into the D-line with Saul again. And obviously this year we surprised some people and you're you and Saul trumped out onto the O-line. So my question to you is like, Deep down, like, what do you actually like more, O-line or D-line? What do you really want from your role? And and then just more generally, like, for this year so far, like, we're a month into this season. You guys are currently, as of this interview, three and two. Um, just, like, what, like, how has, like, been playing O-line with Saul and Henry and Eric? And just, like, what is that been experience like for you in general? Yeah. So, deep down, uh, even not even that deep down, actually. I, I prefer D-line. Um I love getting to pick my matchup. I love defense, first of all. I love getting to pick my matchup. Um, I love playing offense after a turn. Um, I think there's a there's a certain amount of freedom that comes from playing D-line offense and an opportunity to uh, demonstrate creativity, which is something that I enjoy. Um, so yeah, in my perfect world, I'm handling on the D-line with Saul and, uh, and you know, few things get me more jazzed than that. Um, and that being said, I, I would choose to play on a line with Saul over anything else. So regardless of whether it's O or D, if I'm playing with Saul, I'm pretty happy. Um, so when I was told that I was going to handle for the O-line with Saul, I was like, okay, well, Saul will be there. So that's great. And I will like, therefore I will have a great time. And just to be clear, like, that's not just you know, it's not just because of the on-field chemistry we have. It's yeah, we you know we're friends since first grade, and and it just is even sweeter that Henry is also there. And you know, I'm friends with all of the other members of the O line. Um, but you know, Saul is really Saul is my person uh, on the frisbee field, and so getting to play with him is always like a really special thing for me. Um, and yeah, like I said. The, the other guys on the O-line, <clears throat> a bunch of them are my close friends as well. You know, I spend a lot of time with, with Eric Taylor, um, who lives with Saul uh, and Henry. And, you know, I coach some of the young dark side boys on the line too. And I've played ring with Alan and Jacob and Terrence. So it's a, it's a really fun group. And uh, so I've I, no complaints, despite the fact that my preference is to play D, no complaints about our, our O group. It's a really fun, fun group of guys to play with. I'm going to go off, off script then. Can you, can you describe your relationship with Saul in one sentence? That's, that's super hard. Um, so definitely the word partners is in there. Like one, one phrase that's coming to mind is like partners in affirmation. So I used the word partners recently to talk about sort of our role or roles on the O. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, what we do for each other, uh, a lot of the time takes the form of affirmation. Words of affirmation is definitely one of his love languages. And um, it's probably the second one on my list. So, you know, I think whether it's coaching together or playing together or just, you know, existing in life together, um, 
we do a lot of affirming one another, um, trying to help sort of give confidence or restore confidence, you know, moving in a certain direction, whether that be choosing a grad school to go to or deciding whether or not that flick huck was a good decision or not. No. And I really appreciate, like, I think, I think there's a lot of toxic masculinity around, around sports in general. And just like your vulnerability of being open about that. Like I really appreciate, you know? Yeah, for sure. So who is the best dancer on the flyers? I think it's probably Alex Davis, but he's just got, he's just smooth. Like he's got rhythm and like everything he does is funny also. So he he's either good at dancing or just incredibly entertaining. So you're confirming that Henry Fisher is not, in your opinion, the best dancer on the Flyers. Yeah, like Henry's my boy, but he's just not, you know, he's not an incredibly talented dancer. All right. We'll put that in the books. Who's the best motivational speaker on the Flyers? I mean, it's got to be Noah. Like, you know, I know that everyone has said that, but that's just, that's just a fact. Um, I'll certainly shout out like Mike and Saul both have their moments of really driving motivational sort of speeches, but Noah gets everyone ready to go to battle. Like that's just a fact. So it's Noah. Absolutely. Yeah. His was one of my favorite interviews we've done yet. We got to do it in person. Yeah. It was, it was just wonderful. So we're halfway through the season almost, I guess next weekend. So like we're about as the, as the taping of this interview will be almost halfway through the season. Uh, we have had a chance to play Atlanta. We've had a chance to play DC. We've seen Boston. The only team we really haven't seen yet at this point, other than like Pittsburgh is of course, New York. So just like looking at the back half of the season, uh, is there a particular matchup you're most excited, either it's a rematch or the New York game? Like, what are you most looking forward to left in the, in the yeah. regular season, I should say? Yeah, I think the New York game is definitely really exciting. Um, you know, we only play them once, uh, and we play them away. So, you know, that'll be an important road trip. Um, obviously Jack Williams comes up a lot on this podcast and, uh, I think, you know, we all really love Jack and love our, our former experiences with him. And so, um, I think we're excited to see him and play against him and, and they obviously are very talented and, you know, won won the championship last season. So that's a big game. That's one that we're looking forward to. Um, and I am in, in particular, uh, but also this, the other Atlanta game really stands out to me, right? Like first game of the season jitters, uh, really showed themselves and, and we didn't play our best game. And, and yet we, we had a good chance to win the game at the end there. So, um, I think, I think that's a game, uh, that a lot of guys have circled on their calendar that they're really looking forward to, uh, given, giving Atlanta a better, a better look at who we are. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, side note, Pony just put out the roster and I noticed Jack Williams, name was not on it. So I don't, I don't know what that means, but uh, that's just interesting. You know, I, I do know what that means. Uh, I maybe shouldn't share that here, but I know what that means. Wink, wink. I'm not going to say anything. We're not, we're not <laughs> saying anything and I will, maybe we'll delete this later, but we're just, I'm just, we're just saying uh, yeah. on that note. So kind of looking back as far as players uh, I'm so now that we're a little way in the season, has there been any player either in person that you've run into um, or that you've seen on film since we have so much film out there. Um, is there anyone on another ADL team that you've been most impressed with or kind of surprised by so far this season? Yeah, I know he got a lot of uh, got a lot of attention after our game, but I really want to shout out Johnny Malks on the DC Breeze uh, O handler. A couple years ago, Johnny had a pretty significant knee injury. I think he tore his ACL. Um, I could be misremembering that, but he missed a fair bit of time. And now he's back and he looks awesome out there. I love the way he plays the game. He's really smooth. He's crafty. He possesses the disc really well while also executing some tough throws. And I think 
you know, that Breeze O-line handler core in general is really impressive the way they possess the disc. So um, Johnny has really stood out to me and he's one of the nicest people you, you'll ever meet. So Johnny. Absolutely. I think hot take, I don't know. I mean, and as of we, the, this is easy to say as of right now, cause the DC breeze did just beat New York um, in DC. Now they were missing Jack and they were missing a couple of Elliot chart doctor center handler, but like, I think DC looks the best in the Atlantic right now, arguably besides us, of course, but um, like I, they look, I think they've just been absolutely incredible. And as, as good as Atlanta's looked, and I know they're undefeated, like I, yeah. I mean, other than literally losing on a Jack Williams buzzer beater, like DC has just been yeah. like roasting. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Let's go ahead and look out the division for a second. So um, we'll just say the flyers are going to championship weekend. I'm not, I don't want to be cocky about that, but I'm just like for the purpose of exercise, can you pick who you think the other team coming out of the Atlantic would be who's coming out of the West and then who's coming out of the central. Let's get some spice, just a little bit of hot take. Okay. So, um, so we're coming out of the Atlantic. I'm going to say Atlanta is the other team. I've been really impressed with Atlanta so far this year. Chicago is coming out of the central. Chicago is going to go undefeated um, in the regular season and they're going to come out of the central. I have no doubt about that. I think the West is a toss up maybe between, between Dallas and San Diego. I think, I think Dallas has the edge there. Like I think, you know, experience is going to prevail. Let's see. They played at San Diego. Yeah. Okay. So Correct. I, I mean, I think they're, I think Dallas will win at home and Dallas will ultimately have a better record. I'm picking Dallas. That's the interesting thing is like the, their, the rest of the regular season games really matter because they've <laughs> Dallas has lost to Austin which is a guy from San Antonio thinks that's hilarious. Uh, (laughs) And then, but then by the same token, San Diego lost to LA, you know, who's one in four. So like both teams have had a crazy loss already. And then they've, and then, right. So like Dallas has lost to San Diego. If San Diego flies and loses to Dallas and Dallas, they each have two losses. And so it's like, I don't even know what the tiebreaker would be if they both win the rest of their games or is someone going to have another mistake? Is Dallas going to lose another dumb Austin game or San Diego going to trip up? I mean, the, the trips out West are brutal, right? Like they have to do all these double yeah. headers that, yeah, I'm glad we don't have to, we have the, what the one double header weekend that like, and even that one, isn't going to be a Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be a Friday night, Saturday night, which yeah. makes it a lot better. I so. think those, those games on the, and the West division have the biggest sort of disparity between like home and away, like the, the Seattle team that went to Austin and Dallas this weekend is just like dramatically different from the, from the Seattle team that plays at home. Um, and like, yeah, it makes me feel fortunate. We sent, we sent our normal seven O guys to Tampa this past weekend. Like that seems like a huge advantage, um, for us. So I was not expecting it. I, I heard like, oh yeah, a ton of, ton of guys are out for July 4th weekend. I was like, cool. When looked at the roster I was like, oh, Matt's still there. Saul's still there. Eric's still, I was like, okay, so what? All right. So like all the old guys aren't there. That's fine. Like, yeah. Yep. It's interesting. All right. So Atlanta is the spicy one there. Cool. No. And like, really, I I don't think anyone can be, you could say, anyone could say New York, Atlanta, DC, or us for championship weekend. And no one's going to look at me funny. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be, it's just going to be really fun. I, yeah. Uh, Looking at other franchises, let's mix it up. So let's say you could trade for one player in another franchise. Uh, you don't get to pick who you're trading. So I know you really want to get Henry off the team, but you don't get to, we're not asking (laughs) you that. So who, who would you want to trade for? And if the answer is Jack, you can just say, Jack, I want Jack back and move on to a, a different person. Okay. First, I'll say I wouldn't trade Henry for the world. Next, I will say, yes, Jack would be my pick. Other than Jack, 
I'm going to look out west. I want to bring my boy Ben Snell back home to Raleigh, uh, where he belongs. So let's get that those big long legs uh, back on that Flyers D-line. I would love to have Ben Snell back in the area playing for us. Uh, flip it. You get to be drafted into another franchise and you can make the decision based on like the vibe of the team or the players or the coaches, or maybe just you like the location, but like, is there another team that you would love to get to drafted into and to play for? Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to pick two. Um, the first is, uh, is the breeze. I've, I've heard a lot of awesome things about Daryl Stanley from my, uh, from my friends who played on the men's, the most recent men's U24 team. I would love to play for Daryl. I think he's an awesome guy. You know, I have friends on that team already. So that would be my number one choice. I am also really interested in, in the idea of playing in Atlanta, you know, maybe being part of their zone. I'd love to play for Miranda. Um, I think that would be really cool. So Atlanta and DC, you know, in division teams, those, those stand out to me most. All right. Last flyer specific question. And you specifically highlighted this and said you have a good one. So what is your spiciest hot take? for the season all right my spiciest hot take is that Saul Yannick is going to lead the team in blocks he was leading the team in blocks for like maybe two games and uh and this is pretty pretty sarcastic comment I'm making here but that's my that's my spicy take Saul leads the team in blocks wait 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 that means that you have to turn the disc over a time which is not bode well for the o-line is that well okay so that's maybe true uh, it doesn't mean that I have to turn the disc over a ton. And so I can't really control what other people are doing out there. Uh, but also he crosses over and plays some D points. So maybe he's just going to be incredibly efficient getting blocks every time he plays a D point. Who's to say? Uh, I think some of the, the players on the team on the D line will have some comments about that. <laughs> but we'll, no, doubt, no doubt they will. They can give me a hard time. They know where to find me. One more. I, okay. I've got to ask one other question because I, so what's been cool about the league so far this year, I feel like is there's been this explosion of like, I'm calling them the 20 year old crazy kids where like every team feels like they have one 20 year old. Who's like a college kid. Who's just like on the O line and doing crazy things. Mm -hmm. And clearly for us, at least on my end, that's been Matthew McKnight. I had no idea who this kid was when I showed up to scrimmage a couple months ago and everyone was like, Oh yeah, that's Matthew McKnight. He plays on UNC. I was like, I've never heard of this guy in my life. And like, He's out here dropping hucks and doing all sorts of things. Can you like, who is Matthew McKnight? Where did this kid come from? I don't understand. Yeah. So Matthew, who we, who we've nicknamed Poppy so that we don't get our mats confused on the O-line. Matthew came from DC. Um, I don't remember which high school we went to, maybe Washington and Lee. He was on our radar back in 2018. I think when he was part of the DC team that won the, the boys division U20 YCC. He's their center handler and seemingly their best player. I learned that he was coming to UNC sort of through the grapevine and was pretty excited about it. And, uh, and here he is playing for Flyers. Yeah, he's, he's one of the most talented players I've ever seen, sort of regardless of age. He, like incredibly talented thrower, good athlete, you know, smart, good decision maker. And I think what's cool is that, you know, Matthew represents a really a larger group of roughly 20 year olds that exist in the triangle as like incredibly talented young players. Yeah, like especially, you know, Matthew, along with some of his teammates on Dark Side are just some of the most developed 20 year olds I've ever seen playing Ultimate. Um, 
And so it's really fun to, to see them grow and see, see Matthew on the big stage. He's a fun guy. I mean, he's playing really well. Yeah. That's it's awesome. It, it makes me mad. I wish I was as a 28 year old, I watch him play. I'm like, gosh, darn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see. Maybe I, I had heard he's from DC. So I'll have to see for the final game of the season, which is an away game at DC. We'll have to see if a DC player will get on with him and like talk, talk shop for 30 minutes with me. That would be fun. Like we did for the Atlanta game. But yeah, uh, um, Anders is also from from the D.C. area and he's really? the same age as some of. Yeah, he was like friends with Johnny and, and Gus and Zach, um, Nor- the Norbombs, uh in in high school. So, you know, you could have a bunch of them on the podcast, maybe. I, I OK, I'm into it. All right. Getting away from the Flyers for a second, just talking general ultimate. What's your favorite moment or kind of like thing you've done with an ultimate as an experience so far? I think. All of, of 2018 college nationals really stands out to me. Just sort of the culmination of, of some years of uh, disappointment and hard work. There's a moment at halftime of the Oregon game in semis where I said a little thing, quoted a song, um, a popular song at the time. And we ended up pulling out that, that win on double game point, you know, winning in finals. And um, that was the one of the most personally validating experiences I've had as a member of a team, as a captain of a team. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the one that I look back on and I'm like, that really, you know, that was really special, really important moment or sort of scene in my life. Yeah. And it's not one a lot of people get. So, right. Like that's amazing. Uh, who's the player coach you've learned the most about ultimate from John Nethercut easily the answer to this question for me, you know, both as a, as a teammate sort of, playing on the same line as him as a coach. Um, and also as a friend, you know, he's, he's been a, a tremendous mentor source of advice for me over the years. I'll also h- highlight Mike D, you know, that's my guy. Uh, Mike has, has taught me a lot about coaching, which has been really useful. Um, taught me a lot about communication and, uh, and I also have to say, like, I've learned a ton from Saul, Saul, who has been playing ultimate for much longer than I have. I think a lot of the time people see us as, as equals. And I, I think that's good. I think that's probably how he would prefer it to be, but I still, you know, look up to him in some ways. I identify as having, you know, lots, lots, I can still learn from him as well. So those three people come to mind for me. What's your favorite Frisbee team or game ever to watch that you were not in? I love this question. Yeah. I do too. So um, in 2019 at Queen City in Charlotte, Darkside and Pleiades, the two UNC sort of A teams were playing uh, in the finals and we finished our finals game against UMass, I think. And we immediately like ran across the complex um, and posted ourselves up on their sideline and, you know, took up some cheers and watched them play a really really good um, and exciting game against uh, Carlton Syzygy. I remember feeling like that was really special um, sort of culmination of this growing positive relationship between the UNC men's and women's teams. Um, And I remember being really excited watching my friends, you know, Ann Worth, Tyler Smith, um, among others, like having really good games. Rebecca Fagan and Mary Rippey both like made some big plays in that game. So it was just really exciting to get to go and support them in a way that they had done for us many, many, many times. And, you know, after the game, cheering for them and taking a whole UNC ultimate picture, that was a really special community moment. And I was really excited that we had the opportunity to 
sort of support them in a way that they had done for us many times. And it's, it's really special too, because like my, there was no women's team where I went to college. I feel like there's lots of places where, and let alone like having two like nationally ranked teams like that, where they both kind of are competing at a higher level like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's cool. What's the worst ultimate game you have ever played in? The low hanging fruit here is um, the 2019 college finals against Brown. I don't know how much more I need to say about that. Uh, terrible game. Nothing. That's... I have nothing good to say about it. So <laughs> that's totally fine. Uh, do you have any tips to either new players to ultimate or tips to maybe like person trying to like step up to the next level, whether it's like moving up to elite or, you know, whatever, like what's just, do you have general tips to ultimate players overall? What's helped you the most? So two things come to mind. The, the first is a very sort of uh, on field throwing is the most important fundamental skill in ultimate. So becoming a great thrower, finding the ability to control the edge of the disc, breaking the mark, especially, um, I think a lot of young players are really enamored with throwing it deep. And I think that actually a more important skill is breaking the mark. And uh, that's probably evidenced by the way that I play the game. The other thing is, um, is a growth mindset. So when I was younger, I really remember my dad sort of instilling in me this idea of, you know, thinking about my ability and my skills as unfixed and changeable, um, adaptable, there being room for growth. I think adopting a growth mindset is a really important thing for a young athlete. Um, it can help preserve their motivation um, and their passion for the game. And, uh, and that is a, is a concept that's continued to come up again and again for me as I study applied sports psychology and, and learn both the benefits of a growth mindset or a task orientation uh, in, in comparison with, you know, a fixed mindset. So growth mindset, throwing. And it definitely shows up. I think as a public school teacher, we've talked, we talk a lot about that. And I see that as a high school band director, but also like as adults, like I think a lot of adults, you know, settle totally. into like, well, I know what I do. And this totally. is how I do it. And I'm not going to get better. I'm not going to get worse or whatever. Or like, if I do get, you know, as I get older, I'm just going to get worse. And like, um, I definitely wrestle with that a lot. So I really, I really appreciate that because it's just, you know, we can all continue to grow. And even if maybe our totally. bodies degrade at some level, I say as a 28 year old, but like, you know, there's still room for our minds to get better and execution to get better. Right. So, yeah, definitely. Before we get to the give and go, I, you know, really specific, I, I just, so for those who don't know, uh, Matt won the Callahan award in 2019. And uh, that's kind of like the Heisman uh, as far as like kind of the number one, you know, men's college player. And so what, what did that look like for you? Like, what did that mean to you? It's, it's, you have to get nominated by your, your peers on your team. And then it's, it's a big vote kind of among the ultimate community. And so like, what did that mean to you? Um, and just like, I don't want to ask if you were surprised, but like, was it, was there, was there a little surprise to it or was it something you kind of like, were like, oh, I, I, that's reasonable that might happen or just what was that kind of leading up to like leading up to that moment? Like, yeah, it was, uh, it was an incredible honor to be uh, nominated by my teammates and to be asked to, uh, or given the opportunity rather to represent my team and my program that way. I think it was, it was validating in a lot of ways that, you know, people voted for me and, and thought I was a good candidate. I really identify with the elements of the Callahan Award that are not just on-field on performance-based, but also uh, representing sort of community impact, both you know within my college team and with the surrounding area. So I was a little surprised, definitely. I I think you know I wanted to reach a point at which I felt like 
I was deserving, regardless of whether I was nominated for our team or not. And regardless of whether I won, I, I wanted to sort of have that positive impact on my team, my program, and also, you know, be actively contributing to my community. So, you know, it was surprising to win. Um, it was validating to win. I was already sort of at peace with like, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with the person that I've become throughout my college experience. Winning was icing on the cake. And I also think that it was incredible validation for our program. I think that I, in a lot of ways, represent, you know, the, the self-sustaining nature of Darkseid. Players taking on big leadership roles, stepping out into the community, obviously on-field success. And so I was sort of excited to be able to represent Darkseid in that way. And in a lot of ways, any one of my teammates, there, there are lots of people on our team that have been part of the program that could have won that award. And so I'm uh, proud to be able to represent the program in that way. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. And congratulations on that note. It's, it's Thanks. such an honor and yeah. All right. Um, for our last big section, we're going to do the give and go. These are quick answers, quick questions. So just a chance to kind of give you some, some more serious questions, but also some that I think are kind of hilarious. So, um, you ready for some give and go, Matt? Yes, let's do it. All right. First one, the big one. Would you rather get the bidding under D to get the turn or a huge sky upwind for the score on universe? Uh, I think I'd rather get the bidding under D. I think it's easier for me to visualize that. That's sort of more my my style. So I'll choose that one. Your D line guy. Yeah, couldn't even with the universe, couldn't intend like incentivize you to. <laughs> yep. Yep. Fair enough. What is the definition of a great teammate? A great teammate is selfless, you know, team first, adaptable, and, and positive. Flick or backhand? Flick. Always? No matter what? I mean, I don't want to put myself in a box, but I like my flick a little bit more. I'm sort of more accustomed to uh, to using it to get myself out of hard, tough situations. But I've definitely been working on my backhand a lot. I've been backhand dominant recently, so could go either way. Scuba or hammer? Hammer. Bad scuba Ooh. thrower. Bad scuba thrower. Yes. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, your favorite fan reaction at a game so far in your five game pro history. Yeah, I have been pulling out the butt spike this year when I score goals and I have really appreciated the fan, the fan reaction to that. People seem to think that that is uh, funny and ironic, which is exactly what I'm going for. So the, the fans that have come up to me and said something to me about it. I've really appreciated that. And, uh, and so that's sort of my favorite fan reaction. What's the most number of eggs you've eaten in one sitting? All right. I am not Eric Taylor, so I have not eaten a dozen eggs or whatever crazy number of eggs he's eaten. Probably like four is the most that I've ever eaten. And that's plenty for me. I feel like if someone's had six, that's crazy. Six. That's half the number he That's had. a lot. Yeah, that's that's plenty. That's plenty of eggs. Who inspires you? Um, I've got to shout out my my guy, Andrew Lee. Dark side captain. He works really hard. Uh, he's a grinder. Uh, he inspires me. You think he's ready for the double season this year? The double postseason? Yeah. If anybody is, Andrew is. What is your favorite holiday? My favorite holiday. I think probably my my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving, mostly because it involves um, eating and also. Uh, it means that I probably have an opportunity to see my my family, my parents, most specifically. My parents 
currently live in California, so I don't see them, you know, all the time. And uh, really any holiday gives me the chance to see my parents and connect with them. So that's my hesitation. It's hard to choose one because they all sort of afford me that opportunity. The most important Thanksgiving side is? Cranberry sauce. Wow, that's a spicy that, take. Does that count as a side? That's fine. Totally fine. Okay, it's that. my favorite for sure. Uh, what's your favorite offense to run? Oh man. Zone offense. How about that? No wonder you like Atlanta so much. Favorite defense? Uh, any defense that does not require me to be near my person all the time. So whether it's just a poachy person defense or a zone, that's my, that's my preference. Work smarter, not harder. Is that the goal here? Yeah. I also just like the creativity that comes with, with uh, poaching and, and playing out in space. Uh, the most satisfying win you've ever had with an ultimate 2018 college nationals, national finals, best post game or tournament meal. Ooh, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to have to go cookout. Cookout was a big, uh, was very popular with my, with dark side all throughout college. So trying to get a bunch of us to meet up at cookout after a tournament on the way home, that was a big deal. So cookout just, just cause you can get so much food for so cheap. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible deal. Let's see. You were, this will be hard for you. I suspect you're dropping ultimate. What are you going to spend your time doing? Oh my gosh. I have no idea. I guess the, the simplest answer is that I would play disc golf, right? Yeah. Like if I can't coach or play ultimate, I really am not sure. I mean, I'm in school. I guess I would spend more of my time studying. Um, and probably played more disc golf. That's probably the answer. I love that. Uh, Charmander, Squirtle or Bulbasaur. Okay. So I gotta be honest. I have no idea what uh, I know these are Pokemon, but I don't know. But I talked to Saul last night and he said, if you get asked that question, you need to say that Charmander is the answer because uh, fire types are uh, the least prevalent, I think is what he said. So Charmander, that's what I got. Uh, I think you already said it, but what is your go-to spike on a big score? Oh, the butt spike. That's my new thing. The butt spike. I'm glad we have a brand for it too. Hashtag butt spike. Great. That, that's going to go great on the flyers flyers, Twitter. I can't wait. Oh, uh, what's <laughs> yeah. That's going to be, that's funny. What's the best pregame tune to get you in the right headspace? I actually don't really listen to music before games. Yeah. I'm a pretty nervous person. So I, when I listen to music before games, I sort of get deeper in this cycle of like being nervous about the game and like, oh, I'm doing something I don't normally do. I'm listening to music to try to make me feel better. And so I actually avoid listening to music so that I am forced to sort of ground myself in interactions with my teammates. So no music for me, just, uh, just interactions with teammates. Do you listen to music when you work out? I do listen to music when I work out some. Um, and, uh, and when I do that, most recently, I've been on a big Taylor Swift kick. So our song by Taylor Swift is very regularly playing on my Spotify. All right. We always end every give and go with some sort of competition between the voice of Ultimate Evan Leppler and our own Mike Denardis. And so today I'm asking you uh, if Mike D and Evan Leppler were to play a poker game. Luck aside, who do you think is a better poker player, Mike D or Evan Leppler? Okay. I have no doubt that Mike D is a better poker player. Uh, he is a, a big brain, devious mind. Uh, he, he's got the poker face locked in. So I think that the voice of ultimate is not going to hang with Mike in a poker game. I don't know what he brings to the table, but it's pretty irrelevant. Just Mike is, uh, Mike is a mastermind. I'm sure he would play 
a masterful game of poker, whatever that looks like. I, I agree. I suspect so as well. All right. Last thing. Uh, do you have a, I try and give you guys a space uh, for a shout out, whether it's a Frisbee, non-Frisbee, can be family, can be friends, whatever it is. So who's your shout out on the pod for Maku Johannes? All right. I'm going to shout out my good friend and co-coach David Allison. David is uh, the head coach of the Rally Radiance, um, the head coach of uh, Phoenix, the local women's club team or one of the local women's club teams, um, and is also a coach of UNC Darkside. And he does all of those things uh, while also celebrating his one year, his, uh, his baby's first birthday, baby AJ's first birthday this past week. Um, he does a lot for the community and, uh, and is really invested in the growth of women's ultimate in our area, which, um, which I think is really awesome. And I respect him tremendously for, so I'm shouting out my guy, David Allison. All right, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the pod. We're excited to see you take the field again soon. And, uh, we're excited for the back half of the season. It should be, um, the, the month of July is a little slower. Um, but I, we're excited things, especially to get a little, a uh, little interesting in August as we kind of get some rematches and finally get to play New York. So, yeah. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Luke. This was really fun. One last thanks to Matt Guccohannis for coming onto the program. As always, our sound editors, Mr. Jonathan Liu, music by Kai Moscow, and I'm your host, Luke Mead. This has been the Raleigh Pro Ultimate Podcast. We'll see you next time.